0: Welcome to Devils in the Dark with me Helen Anderson and me Danny Howard. In every episode we're going to be turning back the clock and looking at some of the worst murder cases in history. In this episode we're looking into the most infamous killer couple in the country it's Fred and Rose West. So, Danny, how are you? Um, I mean, we can do
1: the small talk thing, but mm. really what everybody wants to know about, following on from last week's episode, is did the book arrive? Yes. And it did. Oh my God. I have a lot of feelings. Okay. I feel like last week it all progressed quite quickly, didn't it? I got caught up in the moment. I couldn't believe that she'd someone who went to prison for poisoning their victims wrote a cookery book if you haven't listened go back and listen to the dorothea puente episode Mm -hmm. you'll know what i'm talking about and then i just was shocked and i bought it because it's very easy to buy now with one click sponsoring a serial killer yep and i didn't she's already dead so i don't think that she will be profiting but somebody is profiting off this aren't they and that gives me the ick a little bit but i'll give you so that nobody else has to buy it Mm -hmm. i'll give you a little run through
0: can Um, i see the cover
1: please I'm going to do you a grand reveal. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay,
0: okay.
1: I'll put it on socials when this episode goes live so okay. that everybody can join in. Right. But um so, Cooking with a Serial Killer. Recipes from Dorothea Puente. Bam bam
0: bam. Oh my god. Where are her eyeballs? <laughs> it gets worse. Look at the back. There's what?
1: Just a little there's a just a floating head. Dorothea's floating head. And in a next to a big old quote that says, none of them were murdered. They died of natural causes. I couldn't do that anyhow. I'm not that kind of person. I'm too caring and I worry too much about my people eating. Everybody can tell you that. Why would I spend money fattening them up if I was going to kill them? And then the quote says, Dorothea Puente, convicted killer slash gourmet cook. Oh my goodness. And then I didn't realise it's got an interview in there. Where she discusses her crimes. I haven't read it because it's, the whole thing actually just gives me the ick and I really don't want this book in my house for much longer. Can I take it and have a look? I'm just like. desperate
0: to get
2: my hands on it.
0: It's,
1: the paper feels like it's recycled, so I'll okay. give it that. What are the kind of recipes? Well, Dorothea, fucking world recipes. There's a warning. Beware, this book may widen your load by £20. Um, there's also a note from Dorothea at the start, which is just... It's all all a bit much, isn't it? Um, Mm. So, if you can start with snacks and sauces, Mm -hmm. and the very first recipe is Chipotle catsup. And now, all that ever makes me think of is that Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns is shopping and he's like, catsup? Ketchup? (laughs) (laughs) What is ketchup? Catsup? Catsup. I don't know. Is it cat soup? Catsup. I think it must be the same thing because I've googled catsup and it is ketchup. It's ketchup.
0: Ketchup. I would imagine it was a, a mixture of katsu sauce and ketchup. It's not. It's just ketchup. And I think Heinz did that.
1: Oh. But you can move on from snacks and sauces to soups and salads. Right. Um, Dorothea's garbanzo bean salad. Okay. Chickpeas. Or Mexican chicken gizzard liver soup. And she says, this is so good. My great-grandmother made this. Everybody from miles around used to come and eat it on a Sunday. What's a gizzard? It's the in bits, isn't it? The the bits. Are there pictures of the food? There's no pictures, no. No, no, no no pictures. There's a nice little floral border. Okay. Anyway, we moved from soups and salads to sides, where you could have stuffed grape leaves, cornbread, uh, seafood rice, which seems like a bit more than a side, but, you know... She's trying to make people fat, so it's fine. Uh, main courses, you've got uh, tamales, meat and rice, ham, steak, and then a vegetarian lentil loaf because her sister-in-law was a vegetarian. She's got a lot of friends that are vegetarian. You can take the nuts or the vegetables out and add meat with the lentils and then it becomes really tasty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she quite grasped the concept there. There's a lot of things that involve gizzards and tenderloins. Right. right? Not a lot. To suit me as a vegetarian, I'm not gonna lie. But then we move on to desserts, loads of desserts. Rhubarb pie sounds quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna make anything from this book ever, because after the desserts is the interview. Oh, I haven't God. read the interview and I don't really want to. Um, because this guy, so there's a guy called Shane Bugby mm. who has I don't he's written the book basically. The copyright is for him, and I'm guessing that he's the one who's got the money from it. Um he went to the prison and he interviewed her and there's about 10, 12 pages of interview um, from the snippets that I've caught my eye I't it's just the whole thing gives me the ick. It really is giving me the creeps. I don't want to hear what she has to say if I'm honest. Um, she's denying it is basically the gist of the interview and he's encouraging it. Um, there's some in there's some a lovely picture of some swans that she drew okay. And then um, then there's a section of letters, poetry, and artwork, and it turns out Dorothy is quite the craftswoman as well. There's some drawings of some fruit um, and some poems and some earrings and crafts. There's this fun picture of a wolf, which I know that you'll enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Frame that. <laughs> go my
0: wolf collection (laughs) yeah 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 it's it's poor quality just you know what this book just kind of looks a bit like what dorothea got up to in prison and they just printed
1: it out it is they and um but then the thing that gives me the most the ick it says for more info go to dorothea's website and the website now if you're trying to convince people you didn't murder Mm -hmm. people her website is called evilnow.com okay and that's it that's all with the air time we're going to give it I hate it. I, want it I don't want it in my house as soon as I got it out of the thing I was like I've made a mistake here it's gross it's gross to look at and I know that people are into that and I can see the appeal of it because it is quite intriguing but ultimately I don't want it I'm not going to give it to charity because I don't want anyone else to have to spend money on it although at least that money
0: would go to charity I don't know what to do with it I don't, I don't know but I, I really don't want it in my house for much longer <laughs> anyway moving on let's set the scene is February 1994 in Gloucester, England. Police are investigating the disappearance of 16-year-old Heather West. Suspiciously, the search has led them straight to her own front door. Her mum and dad, Fred and Rosemary West, are one of the most infamous couples in British history. They sexually abused, tortured and murdered young women, including their own daughter, Heather.
2: Children are their things to play with. They are disposable. For 20
0: years, Fred and Rose West tortured and killed young runaways inside their home on 25 Cromwell Street, Gloucester.
3: I've never for one moment doubted that Frederick West was a truly evil man, but he found in Rose the perfect sorcerer's apprentice.
0: This is one of those stories that your parents would tell you or summarise it because it was a bit gruesome to stop you from getting into strangers' cars. You know, did your, did your mum ever say to you, don't talk to strangers or don't get into someone else's car because of this this horrible, horrible thing that once happened and reference, like... When did it happen? 90s, 94. My God.
1: Um, yeah, I don't think they ever actually used it as an example... It was just uh, an instilled fear. Mm. Um, my parents would have been in the country for about five years, I guess. So it happened in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Um, okay, this is a lot, isn't it? This mm-hmm. is going to be a lot. Cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah. right. Let's um, let's get into it. I wasn't expecting all of that. All of that straight no. away. I don't know. I don't actually know much about this one. I know
0: when we said we were doing this. I said we were doing this one. My husband went, "Oh wow." To be honest, like there are some cases around the time of our birth, like 80s and 90s, that I'm aware of. But there's some that I'm not. But obviously, there's going to be some stories that our parents know of, which are why they might have said to you, like, "Mm, you know. Yeah, I've definitely heard the names. Mm. I would like to warn you that there are some details in this story that might be hard to hear. So, in 1969... 28-year-old Fred West was living with his wife, Rena and their young children. But Fred had a wandering eye, and he recently set his sights on 15-year-old Rosemary Letts. Rose and her family had recently moved to Gloucestershire, the Gloucestershire area, and um, she lived in the same area that Fred had a caravan, but they actually met at a bus station in Cheltenham, Um, Apparently, Rose said how Fred was very charming. He had a lot of charisma. Though, despite he had a bit of a shabby appearance, she was still drawn to him. Criminologist Dr Elizabeth Yardley says that the pair unknowingly shared a deeply traumatic childhood.
2: Well, Fred was the, the eldest boy in, in the family, and he was very much the, the target for, for quite a lot of, of abuse at, at the hands of, of his mother. So his mother sexually abused him, essentially. Rose's childhood was similar to Fred's in many ways in that it was completely dysfunctional and, and antisocial and, and abnormal. So she was abused by her father, who started raping her from, from a very young age. So, so what she took to be normal, what she took to be acceptable, in terms of behaviour within a family, really was anything but.
0: As soon as the couple met, there was an instant attraction. And because, I suppose, they had quite similar upbringings in terms of having a troublesome and abnormal and, frankly, abusive childhood, they saw solace, maybe, in one another, perhaps, and understood each other in a way that others may have made them feel alienated for. So Jeffrey Wansall, author of and evil love, the life of Frederick West, thinks that their traumatic past only made their connection stronger.
3: Maybe it was something that Rose gave off implicitly, but something in Fred connected with what had happened to Rose and the way she was and the way she'd been treated by her father. And it was like a union of two souls.
2: I think it was the perfect storm. You know, the chances of these two people meeting was, you know, it must have been a, a million to one, but unfortunately they did. In
0: 1970, just after a year of meeting, Fred and Rose moved in together in a little house in Gloucester with Fred's stepdaughter of Charmaine. His wife, Rena, nowhere to be seen. And to make matters even more complicated, Rose was pregnant with the couple's first daughter, Heather. So he's left his wife, she's gone missing... Rose is now pregnant and they've moved in together. His wife's just gone. She's just disappeared. We don't know where. And he's taken their daughter with him. Shall okay. Man? Yeah. Fred and Rose's traumatic childhoods had a lasting effect on the couple and they had a pretty twisted approach to family life together and there was a lot of children that came into their lives. Um it's quite complicated question to ask exactly how many children they had combined So, Fred had a child from his previous relationship, Charmaine. Rose had three children with someone else. And then Fred and Rose, you're not going to believe this, had eight children together. So, they had a total of 12 children. My God. And all, heartbreakingly, were completely ruined by their parents who had very concerning thoughts on family values. No. Yeah. It's 1992 and the police are searching for Heather West, who was their first daughter. Um, And she was only aged 16 when she vanished from the house. Um, Fred claimed that she'd run away, but never reported her missing. But after receiving allegations of child abuse from other children at school who had told a patrolling officer, that's when detectives began to look into Heather's whereabouts and Chief Constable Tony Butler was in charge of Gloucestershire Police.
4: One of the children uh, told a friend at school about what was what was happening to her that friend talked to a patrolling police officer in fact about what her friend had told her and it was a result of what the police the police officer then took that back and it initiated a child protection process which led to the evidence being gathered.
0: Obviously, the police couldn't ignore the disturbing abuse allegations. And I feel at that time in the 90s, it was a pretty brave thing to do for a 16-year-old to confide in the police and talk about their friend being abused like that. Like,
1: Yeah, there's a lot of sort of um, media attention around it now, isn't there? Yeah. Like, you know, encouraging that this isn't right, it's not normal, please speak up about mm-hmm. it, but... I don't think there was as much of that back then. Uh, It was definitely more of a taboo, like coming forward about it was more of a taboo, wasn't it? Um, So an incredible amount of strength to go and tell someone.
0: And the maturity to know what to do, to tell a police officer that was patrolling, like she could have told the headmaster or headmistress of the school, but she just went straight to the person that she needed to go and talk to about it which I think is really admirable of someone her age Um, as you can imagine to protect them though five of the West children were placed into protective care and the police began their investigation they had also heard rumours of a sick joke family joke made by Fred West about Heather, his daughter
3: and the family joke was a simple one you better watch out because if you don't shut up and stop causing your dad or your mum any trouble, you'll end up like Heather, two down and three across, in the patio. Fred had laid a patio behind Cromwell Street, was in squares, which rather like a crossword. The family joke
4: was that he buried Heather at two down and three across. This uh, issue, this Heathers under the patio, uh, continued to, to be raised. And so we started to take this point seriously. We knew Heather had disappeared, had left the home, uh, so we tried to trace her. And um, despite massive amount of inquiry to try and find out, she just literally disappeared off the face
0: of the earth. There's in-family jokes, but that's fucked up.
1: I'm fucking... My jaw is on the floor. Yeah. Whoa. That's a lot. In February
0: 1994, the police decided to find out if the family joke had originated in truth.
4: When they arrived with the warrant, Fred and Rose were at the house and they went into the back garden and the officers started uh, digging the garden.
0: Sensing his time was up, Fred asked to be interviewed by the police.
4: Fred asked the... um the officer, if they could go down to the police station. And so they, they left. Fred said that he, uh, that he admitted that, that Heather's remains were in the garden, but the police were looking in the wrong place. And later that day, he returned with the officers and he indicated where, um, where he thought Heather was buried. The following day, officers digging in that area recovered a femur, um, and uh, that was taken for examination by the forensic pathologist, who confirmed it was human remains. And uh, that turned out to be, uh, to be one of Heather's uh, remains.
0: Your own daughter. My God. As police continued digging under the patio, they found more than just Heather's dismembered body.
3: When they found remains, they found not just two legs or two thigh bones, but three. The interrogating detective said to West, well, unless Heather had three legs... There's another body. Oh yes, Fred says, without drawing breath or hesitating that must be the other girl, that would be Shirley.
1: What? So cash what did, Oh yeah, forgot about her. Mm-hmm. As if my goodness. Just me. so casual, about but like just... did he just not think that they would he just is is just normal. It's not we'll find out. keep going. I'm
0: I'm shook. The police were about to unearth all the secrets that Fred and Rose West had been hiding at 25 Cromwell Street for over two decades. Fred confessed to officers that the other body was of his former lover, Shirley Robinson. Shirley was 18 and she hadn't been seen since 1978. And when she disappeared, she was pregnant with Fred's child. West also admitted that they would find a third body in the garden who he claimed was a friend of Shirley's. Throughout all the questioning, Fred insisted on one thing that his wife Rose knew nothing about any of the bodies.
2: I think when Fred was protesting Rose's innocence and and taking the blame completely upon himself, I think, yes, at that point, the power had changed in in their relationship from him being the dominant one in the early years to her really putting the strings in those later years. And I think he he really didn't trust her at this point in time. He was really quite afraid of of what she might do. So, So I think that that was definitely something that had flipped in this relationship.
0: It sounds like perhaps he might be taking the blame because of fear or she has complete control over him.
1: Yeah, because my initial instinct when he insisted that she had no knowledge of it mm. was that he'd you'd do that out of love to yeah. protect your partner. I've done this bad thing. It wasn't her fault. Take the brunt of it for but them. If he's afraid, yeah, how afraid do you have to be to just admit to free murders? And and
0: let her She had nothing to do with it. Yeah, it was all me. Yeah. Ooh. Leo Goatley, who later represented Rose West in court, met Fred.
5: Well, I found him quite a creepy bloke. He would always be trying to endear himself to people in a rather smarmy way, a little kind of giggle, making light of things... Um, but he was very unconvincing doing that, and he would very quick, quickly realise if you weren't impressed by him. And then he would withdraw, and I, I would sense there was a, a, a this other side to him that would scowl and be probably quite nasty. Whatever his sort of murky machinations within his mind were, once he realised, he was probably better able to actually charm women than blokes. It's possible that... Um, you know, with a, a little smile and some sort of soft talk, he was able to persuade some young women that he was safe to be around.
0: To make things even more complicated, Fred kept changing his story. He alternated between admitting and then denying the killings, claiming that they were accidental, and it seemed Fred realised he should try to get charged with manslaughter and not murder. But it would be a really hard job for pathologists to prove otherwise because the third body had been buried under the patio for years. However, using dental records, experts identified the third victim as Alison Chambers, who was just 16 when she went missing in 1979. Meaning she was too young to have been a friend of Shirley Robinson, as Fred suggested. So where was Shirley's friend? And who is Alison? As if he f- just sort of forgot who was down there.
1: Well, maybe he's just trying to spin. He knows who, who he's. He's trying to. He's forgot who he's put where.
0: Or, yeah. I don't surely know. you'd know. Like if if maybe killing is so like so unbothered by it that he just forgets where he's put things. But you'd think that something as such of a big deal as Killing someone, burying them in your own back garden, you'd be aware of who it was. But that maybe that just says something about his mental state. Like, he just does not care or feel remorse or guilt or anything about what he's done. I guess it shows what he thinks of the victims. Like, yeah. Oh, to not... I don't really know. The idea
1: of it is so absurd, isn't it? Mm. Like, to just casually... Well, I don't know all of it yet. I can't... Like, but, like, to, I don't know if it was casual. But, like, to just casually... Kill and bury people under your patio, and then carry on living your life, It's such an alien concept. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I'm just
0: I'm baffled. I'm baff, I'm constantly baffled by these people, and they think that their way of living and the way that they think about things is is right.
1: Yeah, like to just like well, well, yeah, I did do that.
0: Yeah, I learnt a word. I texted you, didn't I? I said I oh, learnt yeah. a really good word. Solopistic solopism is where you think that some that your way of thinking is correct and the only way. Yeah. And I feel like when it comes to serial killers or people like this, they are potentially solipistic in their views of how they view treating people. That, you sounds, say? that sounds smart. Okay, so marks that were found on her body proved beyond doubt that she'd been tortured So this proved that Fred hadn't actually accidentally killed these young women. He had tortured, sexually assaulted and then intentionally murdered them. But how was Fred getting away with all of this without Rose noticing? The police weren't convinced.
4: The most important thing, of course, was that his bodies were recovered in the house that she shared with Fred. And it would appear inconceivable that she wouldn't have had knowledge of this. The house itself was very, very small. It would have been inconceivable
3: that you could have kept a young woman or women in that house without every occupant knowing that something was going on. You would know. It would have been impossible not to know.
0: Police start to think that there were more victims than Fred was letting on. Clearly, because he'd forgotten it was down there. So they started to look into missing persons files to try and find any potential matches. But there were approximately 10,000 missing women in the country recorded at that time. It was seemingly an endless search.
4: Throughout that time... We were trying to trace uh, trace people from, from children's homes to make sure they were safe. We were dealing with forensic materials, I mean, massive amounts of forensic material, searching. It was on a scale that was really unprecedented.
0: After scouring missing persons reports, investigators found two missing people who stood out, Lucy Partington and Linda Goff. So Lucy was a 21-year-old student, last seen at a bus stop in Gloucester in 1973 and 19 year old linda went missing in the same year her last known address was 25 cromwell street which was their house what's mad is the time here so how long it'd been before they are starting to uncover these missing women which saddens me really that nothing was found sooner so these girls have gone missing in the 70s it's now the 90s and they're only now being like, oh, those two.
1: I guess there's must be the advancements in technology between the seventies and the nineties in crime scene investigating mm-hmm. will have developed a lot more than that, would they? Because like in the seventies, if they've oh they've probably run away, they it just was CCTV a thing in the seventies.
0: I don't like, know. How do you trace that? Please soon piece together that Fred did not in fact act alone. He and Rose were a team. Together they devised a method for abducting young women. So a bit of Dorothea in the last episode, they would identify young women out and about that seemed vulnerable, were running away from home. It was usually at bus stops or they were hitchhikers. So they were girls that were like, they'd left. They'd left home and they were needing somewhere to go or some help so what they would do is they would drive up by them act like a really sweet convincing couple um rose would get out the car and she would softly speak to them and confide in them and give them reassurance and say that we can help you if you need some help you can come and stay with us linda goff was never officially reported as missing but her family did search for her
4: uh, Linda Goff's uh, mother, she'd been round to the house, uh, knocked on the door and had been answered by uh, Rose West. Uh, and she asked where Linda was and she was told she'd gone away, I think to, to Western Supermare. She was struck by the fact that there was Rose standing there with, with her uh, Linda's slippers, uh, wearing Linda's slippers. And she also noticed on the clothesline, there were articles of, of of Linda's clothing.
0: So, Linda... Who fled home and had gone missing for 20 years? Mum goes to look for her. And this woman is standing there wearing her child's clothes and with her washing on the line. And little does she know that Linda's dead. They killed her. Rose has the audacity to wear her stuff. That is unreal. Linda's mum believed Rose when she said that her daughter had moved on from Commonwealth Street. But as the press coverage began to reflect the sheer horror as the story unfolded, other women who had encountered the West came forward. There was a lady called Caroline Roberts. She had contacted the police to offer her help in the investigation. She'd seen the investigation on the TV and she told the police that she'd been sexually assaulted by both Fred and Rose in 1972. So they'd picked her up while she was hitchhiking and she stayed in contact with them for a while and she even worked for them as a nanny um, for a brief time. But there was one horrifying incident that caused her to file a complaint against them.
4: They invited her back to the house and when she got to the house, she was then bound and subject to to some rather aggressive uh, sexual activity. She managed to escape subsequently and reported it to her mum, who then told the police. Both Fred and Rose were arrested for uh, rape and other and serious sexual offences.
0: But at that time, she was too scared to face the West at a trial and was ashamed of what happened, and this happens quite a lot, doesn't it? Like, having to face your abuser in court, it's a, a lot to ask of... A victim, isn't it? I oh, think yeah. even now, yes. it's traumatising yes. and triggering. And I, can, I don't Definitely. understand why people don't want to do it. So without a trial, they were only charged with indecent exposure instead of rape, and they were just fined 100 quid.
1: Fuck's sake.
0: Yeah. But now, with the information Caroline had given to the police, they could link Rose to the crimes and bodies at Cromwell Street she was no longer innocent.
4: So we had that evidence that there was an aggressive sexual nature to her personality. The details of sexual activity that had taken place had a number of similarities, particularly talking about bindings and gags and so on, that were uh, very similar, if not identical, to the material that was recovered uh, in association with the victims when they were discovered.
0: On March the 4th, 1994, police moved their search inside the house so they had a feeling that down in the dark cellar they may uncover even more bodies when the news had reached fred west at gloucester police station that they were going to go into the cellar uh, he made a huge admission in a handwritten note given to detectives and it read i frederick west authorized my solicitor howard ogden to advise superintendent bennett that I wish to admit to a further approximately nine killings. Charmaine, Rina, Linda Goff and others to be identified. Signed, F West. He doesn't even know the names of everybody he killed. Or maybe he's just waiting for them to find out.
3: Can you imagine the scene? It almost defies belief. They weren't sitting across the table from a monster, a huge man with bare hands and able to kill a little insignificant chap who nevertheless confesses to nine murders. It's at that point the police realise,
4: I think probably for the first time, that they are dealing with someone truly evil. Fred was again taken back to the house and and he indicated uh, where some of the bodies had had been buried, particularly the area of the cellar. And so what happened then was that we undertook a methodical search of the whole property. Fred maintained a position that Rose was not involved in these cases.
2: Fred took the rap for it. They had an agreement that she would stand by him. But the minute Rose heard that he'd actually admitted to the murders and she dropped him, that was, he was gone. And she never spoke to him again. She absolutely refused to have any contact with him.
0: On March 5th, 1994, the media swarmed in on their house and police had exhumed three bodies from the back garden, their daughter Heather, Fred's pregnant lover Shirley and missing teenager Alison Chambers. But now detectives moved inside the property and began excavating the cellar.
4: We started the excavations in the cellar it was a difficult place to do excavations and uh, we had to be very careful about recovering the bodies and on the first day we did find two sets of human remains one turned out uh, to be Teresa Siegenhaler and the second uh, remains were Shirley Hubbard. As he did with
3: all his killings he dismembered the bodies before he buried them so he didn't bury them in a skeleton he buried them in a tube if you like uh, in which the body was compressed the torso head separated arms and legs separated and shoved into a smaller hole. It made the search for those bodies a very complicated affair.
0: It's really disturbing, oh my god, there's obviously there like there's thought got into it, yeah, I can imagine also that to do that must take time,
1: time, effort, noise like that to do that wouldn't be it wouldn't be quiet and messy. That-
0: yeah where do they do that without going unnoticed especially by their children
1: well it's not a big house either is it no so like if the kids are in bed there's got to be somewhere else in the house they're doing that there's no way that like you know fair enough if the kids are in bed they're asleep they might not know they you'd get used to falling asleep to certain sounds but like there's no way like he could just hide that
0: all to himself Mm. Pathologists investigating the bodies made a grim discovery. All the fingers and toes of the victims had been cut off. It could have been a result of torture or to make it harder to identify the bodies. As the cellar excavation continued, officers escorted Fred to a field near his former home in Muchmarkle in Hertfordshire. He told them if they dug there, they'd find the body of his first wife, Rena. She'd not been seen since 1971, a year after Fred and Rose had moved in together. Rena and Fred had been married for nine years and they were still married when she went missing. But again, no one ever reported her missing. Although he didn't admit to killing her, he told police he had a feeling, a feeling that Rena's friend, Anne McFull, might be buried in a neighbouring field. She is now believed to be Fred's first victim, killed in 1967 when she was six months pregnant. Back in the cellar at Cromwell Street, even more bodies were being exhumed. Juanita Mott, a former lodger at the house, missing since 1975. Carol Cooper, last seen walking home from the cinema in 1973. Plus, the two individuals the police had been looking out for, Lucy Partington, and buried under the family bathroom, Linda Goff.
4: This was a tragedy for these, these young women. I mean, all murders are tragic for the victims and their families, but it was the scale of this, I think, that took the media's attention. I mean, it, it's almost incomprehensible that two people could uh, abduct young women or uh, lure them to their house and subsequently, uh, you know, sexually abuse them and and then kill them. I mean, it is on a scale that's almost incomprehensible.
0: By March 8th, less than two weeks after beginning their search at Cromwell Street, police had found ten victims. Most of them had been buried two decades ago. Unreal. It's mad. Police arrested and charged Rose West with murder, Leo Goatley, represented Rose remembers her reaction when she was told that Heather's remains had been found under the patio.
5: When Rose was told that Heather's remains had been found she gasped loudly and was very distraught. How do you interpret that? Was that a mother's shock and distress or was it a murderer's distress at being found out? At that time I I believe that she was shocked and distressed and that uh, she didn't know the extent of Fred's activities. And, of course, at that stage, it wasn't about serial killing. It was about Heather.
0: Even though more victims were being discovered daily, Rose remained firm on her claim that she was innocent. I mean, how could you possibly be innocent, Rose, even if you didn't partake in the actual torturing, killing side? She must have been aware at least of what was going on under her own roof. It's the same as like a lying by omission is
1: like, well, I didn't lie. I just didn't tell you. It's like, well, I didn't do it. I just knew about it. You, it, you didn't stop it. Yeah. And I don't believe it.
0: I don't believe it. By, by watching it happen, by letting it happen, you're doing it. It's like in today's society when you see something bad happen, like if you see, let's say for example, um you got two blokes and one of the men cat calls at someone or like grabs a woman and the friend does nothing, I would say that he is also just as much to blame for not preventing it. Or not even not preventing it, but like not like going, What the fuck do you think you're doing? Like yeah. giving his friend a telling to and saying, Don't do that. That's not okay. I think you're if you're aware of something bad happening, I think that it's your responsibility to Intervene.
1: Yeah, or if you don't feel safe to intervene, to tell somebody who
0: can. Yeah, exactly. But the police evidence was circumstantial. Even defence lawyers felt there wasn't enough to connect her to the murders.
5: Fred had said in his interviews, he fully admitted them and said Rose had nothing to do with them. So the first point is to say, well, what is the strength of the case against Rose? She's denying it. Where's the proof that she was involved?
0: When police continued their search at Cromwell Street, they also turned their attention to a second address, 25 Midland Road, and that was the first address that Fred and Rose moved into together in Gloucester. So when they moved in, that that was where they first went to. Um, police believe that somewhere in the house or garden they might find the body of Charmaine West, who was Fred's stepdaughter from his marriage to Rena, and they were right.
4: At the time of Charmaine's death, she was living at 25 Midland Road, uh, a house that subsequently uh, Fred and Rose had had left. Uh, But we went to the house, and uh, again, excavating under the floor of the kitchen, uh, we found uh, Charmaine's uh, body.
0: Charmaine hadn't been seen since 1971. She was eight years old at the time. No. Like her mother, She also hadn't been reported as missing, but curiously, in the same year, Fred was in jail for nine months for motoring offences and theft. The police were convinced that they'd finally got a breakthrough because they were confident that Charmaine was murdered by Rose whilst Fred was serving time. So they can finally say, you've done it. You're involved. You're a murderer. So instead of attributing the murder to Rose, Fred was blamed.
5: So there were slight differences in the modus operandi, you know, um, certainly with the others, you can imagine Fred going about his work with a sort of builder's precision and uh, routine, you know, severing the limbs and the head, digging a hole in the ground and placing them in it. Charmaine was different. Nevertheless, Fred was charged with Charmaine, even though there were, from the outset, issues about whether Fred was present or whether he was in prison. So there was always that slightly nebulous issue about how old precisely Charmaine was and the dates when she died.
0: So Fred West was thought to be responsible of all the murders, but police were desperately trying to find some evidence to prove that Rose was just as guilty. Both had been arrested and they were both awaiting trial, but Fred's secrets wouldn't see the light of day because on the 1st of January 1995 he was found dead in his cell because he'd hung himself.
3: He planned his suicide as carefully as he concealed his bodies. He groomed the prison officers into thinking that he was an absolutely safe harmless little man who could do no wrong and was very happy to collaborate with anything they wanted. Indeed, he, he volunteered. He said, "I'll mend shirts. Don't worry. Right. Give me something to do. Be a pastime for me while I'm waiting for my trial." Painstakingly, over a period of weeks, he stitched together a rope, partly from bits of the blanket on his bed, partly from pieces of shirt. Very carefully, because he had decided that he was not going to uh, trial, and that he was not ever going to confess the the true extent of what his crimes amounted to. There was a total loss
5: of control by Fred over Rose, I've no doubt about that. She made it abundantly clear she wanted absolutely nothing else to do with him, and she blanked him in the dock independent of his relationship with rose he lacked empathy with people you know people were objects to be used and abused the fact of the matter was he knew the game was up he'd made the admissions the remains had been found the terrible story of those victims unfolded
0: Fred's suicide was a huge problem for the police as you can imagine because it put the whole case in jeopardy while fred had confessed to 11 of the killings rose had always claimed her innocence and without any solid evidence there was a real chance that Rose was going to get away with murder. So, prosecutors desperately needed proof that Rose alone was responsible for the death of her stepdaughter Charmaine. They turned to forensic odontologist Professor David Whittaker. The
6: police brilliantly discovered I don't know how that a certain newspaper national newspaper had acquired a set of negatives. And they were large professional negatives. And they showed incredible detail in some of the baby teeth, the deciduous teeth of Charmaine, which I was then able to match exactly using our facial superimposition technology and showed, A, that they matched exactly in terms of tilt and position, and grooving, a little rough edges were a perfect match. But the position of the teeth had moved. So if we could calculate that movement and assess it of being able to determine within reasonable accuracy, the time elapsed between the photograph being taken, which the police had a date for, it was written on the negatives and the time of death. And if that fitted into the slot where Fred West was in jail, then clearly Mrs West had a lot of questions to answer.
0: This is mad how they do this. So he had just a photograph, a high-quality photograph from a newspaper of Charmaine. She was just hugging someone and she was smiling and this is a bit much but they had her skull yeah, and they could he managed to overlay this picture of her face which he obviously managed to enlarge because it was high quality and line it up with her teeth from her skull like and also like he said get a general idea of how much they would have grown over the time from from the first photo to, to, to the skull's like current they do that on Bones, but Bones was... I think Bones started
1: in, like, the the noughties. Um, but, like, to be able
0: to do that in the 90s, that's
1: mad! On October 3rd,
0: 1995, press from around the world flocked to Winchester Crown Court to report on one of the most shocking trials of modern times. As suspected, Rose West pleaded not guilty to all ten counts of murder, but... The evidence against her was undeniable. So in court,
6: in front of Rosemary West, I had all the technology available to reproduce the imaging of Charmaine. Dreadful thing to have to do in court, but the judge and the prosecution insisted. So Mrs West actually saw this imaging developing in front of her. And I think it was... In the only time, she looked a little bit upset.
3: She marched into the witness box like a very angry traffic warden. Plain shoes, weighty woman, angry demeanour. This is all an outrage. It was all Fred. I had nothing to do with it. I knew nothing. It was completely inconceivable. I could have done this. I couldn't have killed my own daughter. A tissue of lies.
0: Of course. Of course she's going to say that. Well, why is she so angry about it? You'd be more like, please, I didn't do this, if she was actually innocent. Not, oh, for goodness sake, this wasn't me. Let me go already. I have things to attend to. You do a very good angry traffic warden. Thank you. You're welcome. Just um, have a small, angry lady, five foot two, full of fury. That is you. That is me. And the evidence Whitaker provided was enough to convince the jury that Rose was conspired with Fred in all 10 murders.
3: When the first guilty verdicts came back, Rose did not flicker, not a sign of emotion. She just simply stood there. There was no histrionics, no shouting, no screaming. There was no, no sign of any emotion at all, really. And I was left with the overwhelming feeling that one had been in the presence of someone who had lost contact with humanity.
0: The trial judge, Mister Justice—I think that's a cool name—Mantle. His name's Justice. That's so cool. No, Helen. What? His name? His name isn't Justice. <laughs> Why? Ju- well, <laughs> judges,
1: like you know how doctors have the title Doctor, judges have the title Justice.
0: I did not know this.
1: <laughs> his name isn't Justice.
0: God, <laughs> that would be a cool name. <laughs> Why am I so stupid You're at not times, stupid. I am. I thought God wrote the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that, yeah. Mr Justice Mantle recommended that Rose West should never be released. Don't blame him. She was sent to Holloway Prison, but today Rose West is in a low new in prison in Durham serving her life sentence in 1996, two years after the horrible discoveries at, 25 Cromwell Street The House of Horrors they're calling it It was demolished Now all that's left is a public walkway Do you think people go there? People definitely go there
2: Many of us reflect on serial killer couples and say, well, if they had never met one another, would they have gone on to kill? We know that Fred had already committed one murder before he met Rose, so, so I think he would have killed again. When we look at Rose, I think she would have certainly gone on to harm other people, whether that was emotionally, financially, a non-physical kind of harm. But I think having Fred in her life opened up the door to, to a different kind of harm, a different kind of abuse.
3: I've never for one moment doubted that Frederick West was a truly evil man. I think he was born and bred. I think he only ever thought of himself. He was a psychopath and a sociopath. No concern for society, no concern for anybody but himself. But he found in Rose the perfect sorcerer's apprentice.
0: And that was Fred and Rose West, the sorcerer's apprentice. Well, you know what I find absolutely mad? Like Elizabeth Yardley said earlier, like how they came to meet, like finding someone that's on the same level as you, as so so damaged and yeah. damaged is so damaged in the same
1: way. Yeah, it's almost it's like star like almost like star-crossed lovers, but terrible.
0: Yeah, it's like a one you know like the the eclipse. It only happens once. The big bang all those scenarios had to be perfect for those two to come together to have to happen and they came together and they were both equally as damaged but also same mindset nothing none of the things that they did phased one another they just did it and they they relished in it it's very disturbing to think about isn't it yeah Next time on Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson. And me, Danny Howard. We'll be taking a look into the life of Jeremy Kyle, sofa star and all-around terrible person, Mick Philpott. Whoa! Jer-
1: Jeremy Kyle! Jeremy Kyle. Jezza Kezza. We
0: Jeremy Kyle. Uh, subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of Devils in the Dark. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of these themes in this episode, please do check out the description for lots of helpful resources. Special thanks to Woodcut Media and our wonderful producers at Audio Boom Studios.